Ooh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm Scott Lease here with my good friend, Richard Harris. And today we are talking to the founder and CEO of RevenueHire.com. That is Olga Pechenenko. You got it. I yeah. got it. Our first, uh, our first ever guest who hails from Russia. Although yeah. you've been you've been here in Austin for a number of years now, but uh, welcome to the show, Olga. Thank you. I, I'm so honored. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, excited to hear this. I'm, I I don't know you. I know Scott knows you. So uh, why don't we just start there? How do you and Scott even know each other? Well, I feel like Scott has been a celebrity for a while um, on LinkedIn. And so, you know, I don't even know how we got connected somehow. And then I remember seeing the last name of one of the kids in our soccer team. And I'm like, Lise, why is it so familiar? Because I see him post, you know, he posts all these awesome posts. And that's when I got, I think I sent you a note, Scott. And I was like, hey, is your kid on our team or yeah. something like that? And you said, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, he was under my nose this whole time. Anyway, um, I just, that's kind of serendipitous i guess and then so our children play soccer together uh, on, the on the same team or you just compete against each other no on the same team they're they are on the same team and they've been playing for a while they've ac they've actually been on the same team for three four years i think like, mm -hmm. a really really long time you know right yeah. and so yeah and i just love scott's posts like they're just like they're just truth i just love when people say what they what they mean like i love that so there you go i'm a big the real, fan the real question is do you ever see any of richard's posts i do i don't maybe i should start paying attention <laughs> well i just i just saw that we were not connected so we're, we will officially be connected but it's okay i, I don't yes. want to embarrass scott the truth, you know, the truth and, and the truth i'm not gonna lie on this i mean now i will i will and i'll comment I it's okay. Scott wouldn't be where he is today without me, and he knows it. So that's, that's very true. That's very true. That's very true. Olga, why don't you tell um, everybody what what you do and, and give some context to the audience for, you know, the the type of business that you run, the type of selling that you've done and are doing right now, so everybody has a good frame of reference on your uh, on your current position and role. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to make a long story short. Um, so I started this company, Revenue Hire, seven years ago after I've run the company before this for about three years. And as I was running my previous company, it was a translation business, our biggest problem was hiring salespeople. And I remember, gosh, I did top grading, I did who, I did all kinds of things you can possibly imagine. And I just remember thinking like, it's hit or miss, you know, sometimes you get the good one, sometimes you get the bad one. And I was one of those interviewers too, who would talk forever about the company and I would like them first, you know, and like say everything, but basically I was doing everything you're not supposed to do when you're interviewing a salesperson. Um, and of course I would hire, like, you know, we went through two sales teams before I finally, I was like, I need to learn how to do this. Right. And so I took a, like a course on uh, sales hiring, um, you know, as a CEO, I guess. And, it was great. We started getting things on and on and on. And after we sold that company and I was like, what do I do next? The idea for revenue hire was born because I worked with recruiters before in my previous company. And I mean, I'm a recruiter now, so I can't always speak badly about us, but like they were just, they would just bring your resume without any kind of assessment or anything like that. And you would just like, you're on your own. You don't know if they're good. You don't know if they're bad. So I still had to interview them, which I couldn't do, really. I mean, I wasn't really prepared. I had other things to kind of, you know, worry about. And that's how this idea was born. Like, why don't I start a company that doesn't just bring resumes for salespeople, but actually vets them so the hiring manager can look through and see, you know, how do I know this person is good? Because with salespeople, <laughs> you can't – I don't think you can – it, it's, it's kind of like a science and art at the same time. So you got to know how to interview them right. So that much, they don't hiring salespeople is much different than hiring for other disciplines. It, it, it has to be a completely, it's the process that's like the opposite of how you hire, basically. So everything you think you know about hiring, you kind of do the opposite with salespeople. And that's how you do it. At least that's my philosophy and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> what, is, what, do, what do you mean the opposite? What's the norm versus what's the opposite? 
Well, normally recruiters sell a person on a job. Okay. So they don't really, they don't, that's the first mistake. So like they, they'll call you up and say, Hey Richard, I've got this amazing job. And then they will start selling you on the job without really knowing, are you even worthy of being sold to? Like, are you a good salesperson? So my first job is kind of test and poke a little bit. Um, I mean, and just see like, can they handle pressure? Are they, can they build rapport? Are they thick skinned? I mean, there's all these things that I want them to sell to me. I want to see how they sell to me first. Does it make sense? And a good salesperson will always be selling. I mean, they're not going to get offended easily and all that. So what do you do? Like, I'm looking for something tactical, right? Like, just to help differentiate you. When you see, I want them to sell to me, like, how do you do that? Um, what's that like, sound what's, like? like? What do you say? Like, what's a specific question you might ask me? That, that's a really good question. It, you know what? I start right away. I treat our first phone screen as... Um, kind of a cold call. So I don't go into how's it going? How's your day? None of that stuff. It kind of goes directly into, you know, thanks for being here. Da, da, da. Um, you know, tell me what interests about this job and, and kind of how does your experience fit the criteria? And I just shut up and listen and let them talk. And if they are like, well, if you look at my resume or um, they don't even know what the job is for, which yeah. is the worst, or they can't even give me a 30 second commercial thing about themselves. That's really not a good sign. I mean, how, they're not how often, how often do you find that candidates don't know anything about the company or the position that they've applied to? Like what I'm getting at is like, is it still really prevalent? You think for people to just go in and, and blindly like apply for jobs and just blast, right? Just like, I just applied for 600 jobs today and I couldn't tell you what any of them are or where they are or what they do. Is that, is that still happening a lot? Well, more often than I, I really want. I mean, that, that breaks my heart because that's like an automatic, I mean, points. We just talked about, laughed about points, but those are, I mean, in my mind, that automatically just lost points, you know, just by not, like you gotta be prepared. You gotta look at least at something. I mean, what the company yeah. does or whatever. So, so what would what would your advice be then to somebody who is looking for a job and you know doesn't want to um, you know limit the number of companies and organizations that they're applying to, right? So I think I think people think, well, okay, I found this one company, this one role. I'm gonna really focus here and learn everything about that. But if they don't get that they're in big trouble, right? And then the opposite spectrum is the people who are just blasting their resume out to 500 companies and know nothing. Yeah. How do you coach people, you know, to find the balance in that? Well, I feel like if somebody went through a trouble and schedule an interview with you, you got to look them up at least, at least two minutes before the call. I mean, something like, okay, what the company does or what the position is about. So you don't look like, it just, it just looks so weak when, when you don't do that. Because automatically, I, in my mind, the way you do anything is the way you do everything, right? So if you haven't prepared for this important interview, hopefully, you know, then how are you going to be with prospects? I mean, I start comparing them right away. How is the prospect going to feel in the shoes, right? Is, are they going to know about the prospect's company? Are they going to wing it? Which, that's another thing. So like, that's kind of what it is. Like just, I'm not expecting them to know everything, but I expect them to know just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. So, so I have a question for you. When, you. when you are coaching someone or if you were a rep, would you say, like, this is what I would do and it's what I preach and coach is that, hey, find three companies a day, you know, obviously apply online through whatever method they're using. But then go to LinkedIn, reach out to the HR director, reach out to who you think is the hiring manager, mm -hmm. uh, make a phone call to the HR director, hiring manager. So for me, I, I'm teaching people to treat it like a prospect, right? Mm -hmm. Like to make these multi-touch processes. And look, if you only can apply to three companies a day, because it just takes you that amount of time, but you did, you know, that's way better quality. Absolutely. And I think it depends on what experience level this person is, right? So, like, my expectation goes way high if they're applying for, you know, more kind of a senior role than if they're just out of college. And they, may, I may even coach them sometimes, you know, kind of on the call if they're uh, just out of college a couple of years out of college. But, yeah, it's, I, I agree with you. Quality to me is more important. Like, 
are you prepared? Are you, or are you spraying and praying? To me, that's that's just not hot at all. So yeah. let me ask you, what um, what advice do you give to candidates when working with the recruiter? Right, like there's this balance where I see a lot of rep candidates who, and particularly now, right, like they they don't you know. For me, Scott and I have this conversation a lot, and it's like I would try to work with recruiters all the time because you're like you're like an octopus for me, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't know who you know, right? Yeah. I don't know what you're gonna do. I do sort of expect that. Look, at some point you're gonna put me up against two or three other of your candidates because that's just the nature of the game. But how did how does on the rep side, particularly right now, right? We're in the middle of COVID. Lots of people have gotten laid off. You know, what's your advice? One if you were a rep and you got laid off, how would you approach using a recruiter and, mm -hmm. and what should they expect? And two, in a normal situation, <laughs> what's that relationship like? I know there's, there's several layers in there, but I'd love to spend a little time on that for, for people listening. Yeah, I think those are real good questions. I, I, um, like I said, we are sort of the opposite of a recruiter in a way because we, we, kind of, we, we help our client manage the project management side of the hiring process. So we take over and we go and we process incoming applications. We are processing, you know, all of that stuff. And then we also go out there and finding candidates because again, they hire us to vet them, not just bring resumes. Make sense? So in a way we sort of, our allegiance is to a client um, first. And I know a lot of recruiters will get a lot of resumes and then they'll go in and present the candidates, you know, to different companies. We are kind of the opposite of that because we want, you know, we will find you, we'll screen you for this particular position. If it doesn't work out, we're going to present you to other clients. Um, so I don't know if I'm the right person to answer that question, just because we kind of have a different model. But I don't let's, know but let's say for a second, you know, you, and I respect that, like that is, and I love the fact that you're just honest about it. Like, hey, look, our relationship is with you as a candidate, but ultimately we got to make our customer happy, right? Um, if I'm your candidate, right? If, if I'm coming to you and I've got my resume, what should I expect from Olga, right? Or, or a, 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 what does a good relationship with a recruiter look like? You know, should I expect to hear from you weekly? Should I expect to only hear from you when there's a, a job offer or, or something that fits me? Like, what's that relationship like? Hmm. So for us, because we kind of take over the process for the client, so if, if the candidate impressed us in some way and the client decided not to hire them, right? So we vetted them and I put in my head the seal approval or in our ATS that this is a good candidate and we vetted them and they're, they're good to go and present to other clients. I will be honest with them and say, hey, I wanna help you. What other, you know, what other things are you interested in? And I'll present them to other clients. But it happens kind of afterwards once the client decides that, that that's not a fit or whatever that is. And so, uh, what I do, I stay in touch with my rock stars, right? So if, if, if they weren't hired for whatever reason, I want to still have that relationship with them and kind of help them with other jobs, which I've done in the past. And then sometimes those candidates will go and get a job somewhere else, and then they will bring us to help them manage the process there because they like the process so much. Because what I'm noticing, like real rock stars, they – they actually appreciate process and they have respect for process. And to me, that's another good sign when I see somebody coming like, you know, following up and staying in touch. I mean, all of that things kind of I pay attention to. So again, I'm not a typical recruiter, so I can't really speak on that, all of that stuff, but I'm just kind of telling you how we, how we run things. You are very entrepreneurial, right? You've, you've, on your second company now. A little bit. I mean, tiny bit. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. You've you've been running your own show for at least ten years. So, have you been very entrepreneurial your your whole life? What was what was Olga's early exposure to sales and entrepreneurship? Tell us the uh, tell us the origin story, if you will. Oh gosh. Well, I technically I was born in Kazakhstan, which is USSR, which. You know, that's kind of, I'm Russian though. Like it's, it's interesting how it's all defined in that part of the world. Um, you kind of get called Russian because of your dad, kind of what the dad is. 
And so dads get a lot of credit in Russia. <laughs> Moms don't get enough. <laughs> and so I think it was what, what, maybe six when I started selling things. I just what were, you, what were you selling at six years old? In I was making um, covers for uh, exercise books from plastic. So I would iron them together, like use, I had iron and I would use like plastic from like cover thingies and I would make covers for exercise books to protect them from um, kind of like lamination, but like a six year old lamination process. Wow. So that didn't go very well, but I got hooked. I'm like, this is fun. And so I was, and then I had a car wash and then I had a tutoring business. Um, yeah. And then I moved here when I was 19. Have you, have you ever listed out all the little businesses you've done since you were a kid? I had endless ideas. I mean, yes. So, and all of the kids in our yard will come every morning and line up and wait what Olga's going to come up today, you know, to play with it or do, or what kind of fashion show we're going to have, or what kind of Wheel of Fortune we're going to play. I had endless ideas every day. So it was, it was fun. I guess. <laughs> that's when, when, did, when did you come to the States? How old were you? Uh, the first time I was 15. So I won this competition that U.S. government has every year for high school students. And talk about recruiting top-notch students. What they do is they go to all the former USSR countries, the US, and they, they test all the best students. And in our region, we had uh, 500 kids and four that won. Wow. And I was one of the four. And so they bring you here for a year for free to basically get you excited about capitalism and how amazing this country is. So you'll hopefully move here later, which they don't tell that to Russia and Russia since then shut it down. But that's kind of the brain drain on steroids. That's what they did. It worked. They don't call it that way. What year was that? I was uh, 15. So 2000. Yeah. And then, just, so, and then it took you a couple years before coming back. Yeah. So you have to go yeah. back for two years um because of the visa and like i guess that's how they sold this program to russia to begin with so you don't stay here but i got hooked i mean as a woman this country is amazing to like make talk, a dream can you talk about the difference between being a, a female business leader in america versus in kazakhstan russia R russia yeah i moved russia. to Kaliningrad when i was uh, 11 okay. which is on the baltic sea next to poland um, yeah, so it's unfortunate. There's, there's some Russian female entrepreneurs, but the, A, doing business in Russia of any sort is not, it's not the way I want to live my life. Like, just, let's just say that way. And then, uh, unless you're someone's girlfriend or wife or sister or daughter, you just have so much more to overcome to be protected from, uh, what are they called? Um, people that want money for protect for protecting you from bad things. I don't know, uh, racketeers? I, I don't know what they're called. But we, we call them roof, for pay for the roof. That's what you have to do. And so I'm like, no, I don't want this. This, is, this doesn't sound very safe. And I wanted my kids to be born in a country that's a lot more safe. So that was my other driver. Yeah. So yeah, 19 years old, I got internship. And I came here and um, they moved me to sales. And then I became the CEO at 24 of this. Wait, so you just went from internship to CEO, like in like five years, in like snap yeah. of the finger, right? I, how, 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 how did you, why did they move you from intern? What were you doing as an intern? Why did they move you to say? Yeah, I should like, I have, I should need to like have a talk about this because I feel like I crushed it as that intern. Like I was the best intern ever and I'm so not modest about what was it. The, what was the, what was the <laughs> role you were doing as an intern? So they hired me for the summer job, right? To be an intern at this translation company, downtown Austin. And I literally would come in and I said, I started marketing. That was my degree. And technically my, my internship was in marketing. But I asked the, the president of the company, I was about 45 employees, multi-million-dollar business. I said, I'm studying marketing, but I really want to understand how the business works because I love business. And I was like, can I have afternoons of marketing and then mornings in different departments? And Mondays, I want to be a receptionist. 
granted my English was not as good as it is today. And so she said, yes. So I would rotate every day and I would literally come to every department and say, Scott, what do you have for me today? What can I help you with? None of this. Can I help you with anything? No. What can I help you with? Everyone was so happy to give me stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like what you did at, back home where you sort of said, everybody came and lined up for Olga to see what, was, what activity was Olga going to do for us today, right? What fashion show, what this, what that. No, I wish more interns would do that. Like I was proactive and I didn't even like think consciously about it. It was just, I wanted to learn so badly. Like how does a call from receptionist affect something in invoicing later? You know, like I wanted to understand how that path worked and it was, Honestly, well, did, worked out for me. <laughs> and did did they did they move you to sales because you really were good at it and really wanted that over everything else or what? You're gonna laugh at me, but I didn't even know the difference between sales and marketing because I started marketing. Russia doesn't really have sales, you know, and so we don't like we call it something completely different. It's interesting. It's a whole other conversation, and I didn't even know what that was. But apparently, they thought I was good with people. And so they wanted me to be in sales. And so that's where I got moved. And was, was it like inside sales that you were doing or outside field sales? What, so I, what this. I became sales support, which basically I did quotes for our clients in translations. And we worked with um, IP departments of Fortune 500 companies mostly. And USPTO was our client too. So Procter & Gamble, Microsoft, I mean, all those clients, right? So I went to sales support doing quotes for all those companies, right? And then the whole sales department quits. <laughs> so they were like, you, up you go. And I'm like, oh my God. I don't know. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of training by, uh, by fire for sure. So I had, to, I had to write down what I'm going to say to this paralegal in Procter & Gamble when I called her. And it was just, it was the most embarrassing thing ever. But worked out. You got you got you got good at it. You you enjoyed it. And then what prompted you to finally, not finally, but what prompted you to be like, ah, I can do this on my own. I'm going to start my own thing. 24 years old is, you know. Well, 24. So I just had a baby. So I had Anton when I was 24. And I remember being at this company and thinking, a translation company. I was kind of visiting them with the baby, you know, until like, you know how you do that after you have a baby, you go on to all the places you can possibly go because you want to get out of the house, you know, that, that feeling. Um, and so Anton was four months old when I had this idea that this translation company wasn't doing well, right? And I was like, what if I, what if I run it? Who has the thought? Probably a mom, just, you know, crazy chemical imbalance in my head after all these birth things. And, I'm like, I'm going to go for it. And so I, I asked the owners if I could do it because the company wasn't doing great. And then I got my CEO position. So that was, yeah, I was 24. And what did you say to them to, to huh? make them give it to you? I just came up with a plan. That's another thing I think people should do more of. Come up with your plan. Show them what you're going to do. People are scared that they're going to like take it and do it. And I'm like, no, execution is what makes pretty much everything failed because everybody has ideas. No one wants to do it. And so that's what I did. I just brought the plan of what I'm going to do and they liked it. And so, yeah, I got it. We had to fire seven people on our first, on my first day of <laughs> on the job. So one of them was the president. It was not fun. Um, it was not a fun day, but you know, that's quite a, a story. Of, it was like a heck really of an introduction to, uh, to leadership. Just, having to let people go straight away. Can you imagine? And those people, like they'll be peace. And I mean, I was, when I was an intern, they were yeah. so, so Olga, there's this just go for it attitude that I'm hearing from you, right? Like I, I haven't known you, Scott knows you, um, but I'm hearing this consistently throughout your life of just going for it, right? Don't worry about what happens, just go for it. Do you feel, and it's a little bit of a loaded question. Do you feel that, um, because you came from a different background, because you came from a place where your thoughts were limited or you felt like your potential was limited, that you see Americans squandering that mindset? Like, you just seems to have it and go for it. And so often, particularly even in sales, I see people, they get in their own way, right? They prevent themselves because they create some 
game in their head that they're not good enough. Is that what you've experienced? And you're just kind of like, screw that, go for it. You know, I think I was fortunate enough. Somehow my dad, who is like a very traditional man, I guess he instilled in me that I can do anything. So, which, and I saw him kind of have a very tough life too, kind of going with Soviet Union and all that stuff that they went through. And so I think I literally like, I know it sounds really silly, but sometimes I feel like I'm invincible. I don't know. It's like a weird mindset because once you come to this country, like I had a hundred dollars when I came here. I mean, I can barely go anywhere with a hundred dollars these days, but I thought it was going to work out, which it did. So, you know, and I think after that, like calling on someone or asking for something, it's not as big of a deal as, um, as moving to America with almost nothing, you know? Where's your family now? Do you still have family back home or are they everyone, Yeah, everyone is in Russia. I mean, my own family here. He's 11. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, and I teach him the same thing. Like the worst you're going to get is a no. You know, that's kind of the thing. So back to your question, I feel like anytime anyone starts complaining about the states, I always say, you know what? Everyone has the right to do whatever they say, but I love this country. And I just go on the rampage of appreciation, everything I love about this country. And so it's, to me, like, it's the best thing ever that happened. So. Well, you know, you, you, have, you have perspective, right? And a lot of people don't have the same kind of perspective. They don't, they don't come from, you know, the same kind of challenges or difficulties that we've, we've some of us had to overcome you know, and you, one thing that I love about you and it shows itself on the sidelines all the time is you're just so positive all the time. So, so encouraging, so energetic and everything. Is that something that you actively work on? Like, do you, do you read or, or listen to things? Is this like a skill set, the like positive mindset that you, you know, work on? Or is it just like totally innate and comes to you naturally and you don't even think about it? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, about that because I've been through a lot of difficulty in my life. I, I sometimes share that mindset where like, you know, I'm, I'm invincible or I could do anything. Um, but I get kicked down a lot still. And so I have to, I have to work on staying positive. It's real easy for me to become like a short term pessimist and, and, and go down that kind of rabbit hole. Um, so I'm just curious if it's something you really work on and, and how you work on it. You know, I know it's, it may sound woo-woo, but um, I am still, I do my best to connect with my, like that little girl that I talked to you about, the six or seven year old that thinks, who thinks she's invincible and she can do anything. Um, I literally like, I feel her and I think every child, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know about you guys, if you remember that, you know, when you were younger, but that feeling of invincibility that you literally, like, when adults tell you you can't do something, you're like, watch me, you know? Like, you're just so full of it, right? And then it doesn't get beaten out of you, hopefully. And sometimes it does, you know, school and all that stuff. And so I try to go back to that as much as I can. And it's interesting, I did something very cool when I was six. So Russia has a system of of medals in school. And if you go through school and you get all fives in every quarter, all 11 years, you get a gold medal. Like that's just the education thing, right? And as a six-year-old, I don't know who put that thought in my head, but I decided I'm gonna go for it, which means like I changed seven schools in my life and you still have to hit fives in every quarter and every subject. And that was my goal throughout the whole 11 years. My parents never had to bother me, it was homework. They never had to do anything. But that goal kept like driving me somehow forward. And even if it was a terrible teacher who hated me or whatever that is, I try to figure out like, how can I, how can I figure this out? Because I have this big goal and I do have this stupid gold medal, but it reminds me to like, you got to work towards something. And I think that mindset probably maybe shaped me in a way in that, you know, because I transitioned, we transitioned a lot as we moved. Um, Kazakhstan, Russia, the States. I mean, it was a lot of, you know, proving yourself over and over and over because you have to come to new school and they don't know who you are, you know, yeah. you have to start yeah. over. So anyway, so that's what I think that helps me. And then my other things, I meditate every day. 
which is another woo-woo thing, but that kind of 15 minutes, that's my time. And I need that time to get my day going on the right foot. So Richard is, Richard is good at that in a big, uh, yeah, I, I meditate every day too. So I, I really love it. What do you, what do you use to meditate? Do you have your own thing? Do you use headspace or calm? Like what is your go-to way to do it? I went to Vipassana about seven years ago. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's the 10 day silent meditation retreat. And so they imagine me not talking for 10 days. I cannot imagine you not talking for 10 days. But it was I can't good. imagine you not talking for 10 minutes on the sidelines, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> hours a day it was it was a it was oh my gosh it was painful but that's how i learned it's all it's all there's no counting there's nothing it's just uh it's just breath work that's really really cool i like that a lot what do you do i i'm i'm a headspace guy i just use headspace and then I'm, they have different programs um the one i'm using the most these days is and it's like a 30-day program but i've done it like three times in the last six months is one on focus mm -hmm. um I did it long before uh, the COVID stuff, and it really helped me focus on my business, particularly as an entrepreneur, right, where you can get pulled in so many directions. Um, and then uh, I started doing it again, like at the beginning of the year, because I just felt like I needed to, to reapply myself to it. And then I've definitely used it a lot in the last month because it, it helps. Um, I also do it with my son, my youngest son. Um, we use it a lot for him to try to go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it bleed over into his sports so if he's pitching he knows he's learned how to take a deep breath before the pitch to calm his body for a minute so he can focus so we've, we've seen it work really really well for 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 me um i've had a lot of people say well why don't you go do this or go do that or go do this and and i'm just like right now i, I like this this is my method i think you know you know it's it's i think that um you know meditations like any other you could call it even a religion, right? It's whatever it is that mm -hmm. gives you space to think. And when you find something that works for you, you just go with it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily, I felt like if I got bored with it, I'd go look for something else, but I'm not on a quest to go find the best type of meditation. I found one that works for me. I'm going to own it and I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, maybe one day, you know, I'll, I'll go change it up. So. So what do you notice when you do it? Like, what does it do for your mental state or for your day or inspiration? Like, what do you notice? Well, I can tell you what it does for me. So now, because I've been doing it almost two and a half years, um, I, I, it sticks with me every day. It, you know, in between a breath, you know, there's this part where like you take an inhale and you exhale and I sort of see it like the top of the cylinder and there is this moment right in between your inhale and your exhale where nothing's ha where you're sort of converting. Mm -hmm. And I've made that space mentally go from here to here so that even through the day, I can visualize creating that extra space, right? Like just creating that as I breathe on a regular basis. And because I, I think because I've learned it, it happens naturally. So it, it's more about what happens when I'm not meditating right. specifically that helps me get through the day as opposed to those 10 or 15 minutes Yeah. in those 10 or 15 minutes though. Like, I, I think, you know, it's like some days, you know, there's no such thing as bad meditation. There are days where I try to meditate and I just got a thousand thoughts going through my head. But just the fact that I'm exercising my mind to try and stop is yeah. just as good as if I actually have, you know, a meditation where I actually do stop thinking for, for, and you know, for me stopping thinking, might last two or three seconds. It doesn't last for like a long time. It just, it's those two or three seconds where you're like, oh my God, I just, I just hit it. I just stopped thinking about everything. Right. So for me, that, that's what works for me. I, I don't, you know, everybody's got their own journey through it, but um, that's why I've liked it because it teaches me to take these little moments and expand them into huge moments in my mind. So. And I don't know about you, but I realized that how breathing literally calms me down on mm -hmm. anything, you know, like when I start noticing like, oh, I'm getting worked up or whatever, just, it's like your body goes automatically into that. Yeah. Another thing I want to tell you, um, I realized late, recently that the point really isn't to quiet it completely. It's quieted enough to, like, I don't know about you, but I start seeing movies sometimes at the end, like downloads of call this person, talk to this person. Like it starts getting this like, inspiration that you start receiving and then or they'll call you that day like it's just getting really serendipitous and so 
that's another thing. <clears throat> I stopped trying to like quiet it completely because I get some really cool ideas that way, you know? So anyway. But. I know Scott's tried to get into meditation. I don't know how, what his latest journey is. He sort of goes in yeah, and out. What, but I've, what, been, I've been encouraging it for him a lot. Um, Scott, what is your thing? Like, how is that going for you? I'm not very good at it, to be honest with you. I, <clears throat> I have used it um, for pain management, specifically. Um, and I, I struggle to use it outside of, of that. You know, but when I... When I when I do use it, I'm, I'm with you, Olga, in that um, almost like a lot of things that I need to do and have forgotten come back. And so I end up finishing the meditation and I'm like, oh shit, I need to go do these five things or I need to write these five things down right now because they just like came back to, to life, so to speak. Right. But you know. That's, it, that's the point, right? It, let, it allows you to focus on things that you've forgotten about. Yeah. yeah yeah and i feel like it's like our soul whatever you believe in it's like it's just like once you quiet to hear that noise it just has all these helpful tips you know kind of coming coming in how do you i, I have this question I, I want to pull us out of this i have a, a question for olga um and and i'm, I'm sincerely asking this because i don't know you well enough just out of curiosity did you propose to your husband or did he propose to you? <laughs> because, because I kind of get the feeling you're like, hey, you, you're it. You're going to do this. Well, okay. So the first thing, uh, I am, we got divorced when Anton was a year, two years old. And so I, but we got married when we were like 20, 21. Like we were really, which in Russia considered good age. Here, his parents almost had a heart attack. Um, and so, which I think I would have a heart attack too if Anton comes home at 21 saying, I'm getting married to a Russian chick. I'm like, what? No way. Um, no, it was, it, was, it was his decision. I mean, I remember like, Olga at 20 is probably not as, I mean, I'm bold, but I was, I'm still very traditional, kind of deep inside, you know what I mean? Like. Russian women are very interesting women. So I, I have that kind of there. <laughs> and so I don't know if that makes sense, but no, he was the one who kind of uh, um, made you, the move. Is, is he American or is he Russian? He's American. Yeah, he's American. He's, uh, he's one of those soccer dads that is, um, <laughs> I call him nuts, but yeah. <laughs> What is, what, is a, what is a nuts soccer dad? And I want to know, and I'm asking because I want to know if Scott is one. Oh my, well, well, actually Scott says that he's like grumpy, whatever you call yourself, Scott. Um, grouchy. Huh? Grouchy. Grouchy, like, I mean, you express your, you know, whenever you're not satisfied. I think, I just, I just don't see you as much on the background as I see Ray, like Anton's dad. And so, um, we... Yeah, I I'm 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 a lot quieter than you would think, Richard. On pur on purpose. I, yeah. I try I try not to engage. Yeah, but I, I but Scott, I know you. I know you when you put on those sunglasses, and I know that you are staring into the field, and you're yeah. standing there with your arms crossed. You can feel it. You can feel the energy coming yeah. off him. It's like don't. I, come I believe me. I know this. You're, you're you not telling me anything I don't know. Because he'll sit there in his chair, like really, um, I, I know he's doing this on purpose, but yeah, you, dads have such tough expectations on, on those boys. It feels like they're playing World Cup every time, I swear. And I'm like, just yeah. relax. And Scott, that's the impression you get from Scott, that Scott's thinking his kids are playing World Cup? Or your, well, or your that, you asked me about Anton's dad, so that's why I was talking about, like, it's like every game is like, a, a, a championship game so it's very uh it's very funny for me but but he says i've never played sports so i'm not authorized to talk about it <laughs> to, to, to be fair though to be fair though there this is not like recreational soccer that yeah. they're playing this yeah. is they're, they're anton and caleb are um the level that they're playing at for their age is basically the highest level that you can be playing at in all of Central Texas. Like there is no higher level at the at the moment for their age group, right? Yeah. So just by nature, you've got kids who are 
you know, really into it and, and competitive. And then obviously you now have parents, dads yeah. and some moms, but dads, I guess in particular on our team, um, that are super, you know, fired up and into it. And, uh, that's, that spills, spills over, right? It's not, not that surprising that you've got like, you know, CEOs and sales moms and dads on the sidelines and, and this type of, uh, situation, you know? Ah, I'm I can say, Scott, Scott of, of, of all the people we've interviewed, is Olga like the fourth or fifth person who's in sales and a parent of one of your kids' yeah. team? Like that, it, I just, it just sort of dawned on me of like, oh, this is, there's an interesting thread going through here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we just, we just did an interview with Victoria Abling, who's the VP of sales at SalesPoint, SalePoint. And uh, I don't know if Olga knows Victoria or not, but Victoria's son plays on uh, Tati, who's like one of the rivals of, of our team, DeRossi. So Victoria lives up north in Austin, we live south, and they splinter by geography, but they're all at the same level. So um, yeah, the, the, some of the top producers in, in, in sales are, are producing you know, competitive offspring. What a shocker, right? What yeah, a shocker. shocker. So yeah. they're, they're, I, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let Olga fool you, right? She's six years old and she's like, I'm going to get the gold medal in school for the next 11 Ooh, years. Right? She's, she's, she's trying to pretend like she's not competitive, but um, she well, is. But listen, in Russia, you have to qualify to be in sports. Like, they kind of put you in boxes. So like, okay, you're good at school. So you stay in school. If they see you have potential for sports, they're gonna put you in sports. So it's kind of like, I just wasn't, I guess, athletically inclined early on, or they just decided to keep me in math and other things. So but the competitiveness is there, regardless. I of know they kind of missed out. Like, I love basketball. Like I was, I, I still kick Anton's butt sometimes. Don't tell him I said that, but you know, like <laughs> it's just we have fun. Yeah, Mario Kart, bring it on. I'm very competitive. Anyway. Um, so, I, have, I have a question for you, Scott, very quick. Sure. I love what you post, right? Like I already talked about it. I don't know if it made it to the video or not, but what you post has so much truth in it. And like, you're not afraid to speak up your mind and which is, is so endearing and, and actually like resonates, right? When you read your stuff. Thanks. I have a question for you. How do you, in all of these days where you know, sometimes it's like not very popular to speak your mind. Like, how do you stay connected to that truth and speak up and make sure that your integrity is not compromised as you speak with every word that you say? Because you are what you are. It, it, I know you on the field. I know you on LinkedIn. I know you like, it's very, what's the word? Um, so I'm the same person. I'm the same person. I'm, I'm, consistent. Yeah. I'm consistent. Like, so how do you do it? Like, what's your secret? I don't know if there's a secret, you know, um, I, for one, for one thing, like I very consciously performed well, I thought in my roles before speaking up and speaking out. Right. So I didn't just show up on day one, kind of trying to tell everybody what to do or what to think or how to behave. I, I you know, I, I spent, a decade at least, probably more than that even, not saying anything really, you know, and, and not going to events and not being on panels. And I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. Just for me, it took me a long time to get comfortable with the fact that um, people outside of my place of employment might be interested to hear what I had, had to say. Um, and then, you know, so I, I had that like, background if you will that that made me feel like okay well if somebody's going to challenge me i at least have all this credibility behind me to back up what i've done right and you know if you couple that experience with you know ending up in the hospital for four years in my 20s and and similar to you having this idea of like well you know what's the worst thing that can happen like i'm just going to go for it right those yeah. two things combined sort of turn me loose Right. So if I was if I was halfway there after the health experience, I got all the way there after I had some, you know, modicum level of, of success and experience. And then I was just like, 
fuck it. Like what, what is there, what is there to lose? You know? And I, I managed my teams that way. I led my teams that way. And I started to realize that, um, a lot of people gravitate towards that type of thinking and that type of leadership and that type of, you know, behavior. And so I just kind of went more in, in that direction and didn't want to be around or associated with people who can't handle the truth, if you will. Right. And so I, I, I kind of found my audience in a way, I think. Um, and so I speak to, I speak to those people and I don't worry about the people who, um, you know, are too, I don't know, too sensitive for it maybe, or, or too political and don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of, you know, don't care too much about all that, all that stuff. Um, I think that's, that's the key. You know, I've been through things that gave me a little bit of fearlessness, but then I, I, I built a, I built a level of experience that gave me kind of even more confidence. Right. And you know, as, as it progressed, it's just like, I'm going to talk about this, you know, the way that VPs of sales get treated badly. I'm going to talk about, you know, what it's like to deal with physical illness and still try to work. I'm going to talk about, you know, the equity disparity and, and all these kind of things. It's like, what's the worst going to happen? You know, somebody not going to hire me one day because I spoke my mind. Mm, I doubt it. Right. So that, that's, that's kind of where it comes from. Well, I admire that a lot. So, I mean, thanks. Well, you're you're next. You're gonna have to start uh, well some of your thoughts and content uh, out there. But, I, but you know, I, you just kind of hit it on the nail. I feel like I'm the same way. Like, I mean, I I always thought I'm just gonna do my thing. I'm not gonna talk about it. Just gonna focus on what I need to do. And the kind of hearing you, that you kind of had similar path for like, ten years, you didn't want to like really yeah. about it, which makes sense. You know, I just wanna. I want my deeds to show my stuff. I don't want to go out there and just yeah. you know, toot my own horn. You know what I mean? So it's just. Sure. But, but I, you have to get to a place where you, where you recognize and feel comfortable with the fact that you are, in fact, an expert. Like you are, Olga, in fact, an expert at running your own businesses, being yeah. an entrepreneur, being a female CEO, being a mother, a single mother, running a business during a quarantine, right? And yeah. like which, your, your which, positivity, your confidence, like the world, the world, there's an audience for you. Like the world needs to hear more of what you have to say. So it's time for you to find your voice, right? In whatever platform that is. And, and for some of us, the platform has been LinkedIn and, you know, you could fill a huge gap on LinkedIn. LinkedIn needs more female sales leaders. They need more female entrepreneurs. And regardless of gender, like the world needs more people who are, confident and who take risks and go for it and speak the truth and you're one of those people so thank you and you kind of just made it very interesting you know people talk about just be who you are and for a while i really was like what does that even mean like how do you even know who you are right like when i was kind of like my early 20s because that's the last thing they teach you is how to find out like figure out who you are and so i think what you just said like could be summed up as another post you know like how do you find that voice and how do you become how do you be, not become, because you already are, but how do you like show that more and, and the key is to not care yeah. about pleasing every audience out there. And to, and to your point from earlier in the conversation, just, just doing it, just go for yeah. it. Yeah, like, and, and knowing that there's going to be some that are not going to like what you say, and that's okay. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, I, Richard and I kind of joke about this sometimes, but it doesn't matter what I write at this point in time, like one or two people are going to be pissed off. <laughs> I, I, I could literally wish everybody Merry Christmas and, and I'd get two people yelling at me for something. You're so right? insensitive about this. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I kind of tell, tell Scott that if he doesn't upset somebody, then the writing's not any good. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think we should have that as a standard. Like, if you didn't upset anyone, oh, I'm disappointed in you, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, uh, we end every show, Olga, with um, an offer to help in some way. You know, sort of say, is there anything that Richard and I, you know, can do for you to help you in your in your business? Get any kind of message or, or word out there. So, this is that time um, of the show where we kind of turn it over to you. And you kind of uh, put the words in my mouth because I like to say the same thing at the end. So you guys kind of keep that in mind because I want to know how I can help and if there's anyone you want to 
meet or have on the show or whatever that is. So just kind of, as I'm talking, think about that because I'm really curious. Um, thanks, for, thanks for asking. I guess our biggest thing would be uh, we, we love working with growing companies where we can help them and manage their hiring process with them. So that way they can focus on doing their thing and, you know, kind of growing their company without worrying about what's going on, the process, the people and all of that stuff. So if anyone out there, you know, is looking for that solution, uh, obviously salespeople is our expertise, but we have clients that we do everything for. So it's kind of been, um, you know, an interesting model that I, I, I came across. So that's one thing, uh, kind of when it comes to hiring and project management and all of that and finding good people. And right now it's going to be an interesting time uh, with, I mean, literally a couple of weeks ago, we were at 3.5 unemployment rate. And now, I mean, it's the layoffs happening every day. Like it's, it's the market has changed a lot and kind of been like overall what it looks like. So that's my one ask. And then the second ask, I do have an organization for women entrepreneurs that we help them grow to be a million dollar business. So if there are any women out there that want to be our speakers, because we only have women, you know, female speakers that can come and share how they did it how they became the million dollar business. I am all about giving more role models to female entrepreneurs and seeing that there's plenty of women who did it and we just want to kind of shine the light on that. So if anyone out there is listening and knows anyone, I'll take that. So hopefully it's not too much. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. That's great. That's great. Especially love the, uh... what can I do? What's the, what, what is it for you that I can help you with? You can you can help me specifically by using your using your thoughts and your experience and your knowledge and your energy and putting that out there and start posting and being a more regular contributor on LinkedIn and grow your network and stop hiding out in the shadows. That's how okay. you, that's how you <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> okay, done. Got done. It. I'll hold you accountable now. If we All ever right. get back on if we ever get back on the soccer field, I'm gonna run a Oh my, oh, please, yeah. come on, we have to, it has to happen, like soon. Richard, what about you? How can I uh, help? The same thing, I want to keep, I, I want to learn from more women entrepreneurs. I want to learn more from, um, from people who are doing it differently than I have, um, who specifically aren't, you know, the white American male, right? Like there's, it, it comes easy, or I should say easier, I think, just because of that. So I want to keep learning about that and learning what I don't know. So, so that's what I wanted. I, I want to see what you have to say so I can learn from it um, as much as I want to encourage you to do. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm learning a lot from female side too because it's like parenting. Mom and dads are different parents. So we raise children a little different and we kind of build businesses differently too. So it's been very interesting to learn kind of what, what happens on that side. Well, thanks. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us, Olga. You did great. We enjoyed talking with you and uh, hopefully I get a chance to see you soon. Thank you guys for having me. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And I, I, I think you, I, you uploaded more episodes today, so I can't wait to go and check them out. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, uh, Richard's guys. in charge of that part. I didn't even know the new, more episodes dropped. Yeah. I think it was today. Anyway, but thanks for having me. Good luck with everything. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.